Hello, friend. Welcome to the Happy Family Club. We're delighted to have you join us. Our mission is to help you have a happier, stronger family. We do that by bringing you the world's greatest experts in family, marriage, parenting, and relationships. We interview them to discover their secrets, their strategies, their techniques, and bring them to you so that you can cherry pick exactly what you need right now to have more success and more joy in your family. And if you enjoy this interview, we encourage you to share it with your friends and your family and come on to the happyfamilyclub.com and see if you can find more information that's going to help you and your family be happier. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Enjoy the interview. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Happy Family Club podcast. We are ecstatic. I mean, I can't even tell you how excited we are to have Russ DeVos back with us. And do you want to, I mean, we, we introduced you before, but those who didn't hear your earlier session, maybe Margie, you can introduce Russ real quick. Sure. Russ DeVos, thanks for joining us again. Yeah. <laughs> we right heard, <laughs> yeah, we heard your story last time we interviewed. We, we had the podcast and it was incredible. We oh, referred yeah. back to that quite a bit. But, I've listened to it multiple times and cried multiple times, <laughs> just with sadness wow. and with joy. And with I just, joy, you're yeah. just amazing. So, yeah. Russ DeVos, he's a former pastor, award-winning salesman, father of three, right? Is, did I mm -hmm. remember that right? Yeah. Three children, yep. yep. And his wife, Heather, um, out of the Seattle area. Is yep. where at. Um, he's the founder of Catalyst Coaching which is really focused on helping parents of defiant and delinquent and drug abusing teens. So <laughs> he has got a lot of great information for us today. We're so excited for you to share some tips and tricks and helps for parents out there struggling with those same kinds of challenges. Thanks for being here, Russ. <laughs> yeah, you are welcome. Excited. So um, a little bit of personal background just for a second on my life um, and why I think it's just so valuable for us to talk about what we're going to talk about today, Russ, is I think I mentioned to you before, but, you know, I grew up in a world that um, was pockmarked with drug abuse, defiant behavior and uh, all kinds of things from siblings to aunts and uncles. Um, both my grandparents, uh, grandfathers were uh, se severe um, alcoholics and all the range of dysfunctional behavior that went off that by the way i'm saying this i just want to make sure perfectly clear. i love my family more than <laughs> words can tell so i not none of that's derogatory but i saw firsthand mm -hmm. the 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 challenges i remember um you know one small little snippet there one day my my oldest brother had um you know it asked my mom if he could go out with some friends to party she told him no and um and and he they pulled up and he started walking out and my other my older other older brother picks up a baseball bat and runs out and steps between my brother and his buddies and they get an altercation in which my brother beats him with the baseball bat and breaks his arm <laughs> and 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 my brother still gets in the car, leaves and ends up, you know, going to the hospital, gets his arm fixed and then, you know, ended up in jail for some drug stuff. And, and this was like a, this was a small little window. And I remember sitting in my front room next to my mom and just seeing just wretched heartache and pain and suffering from this swirl of stuff that was going on. Yep. And, um, 
so today what i what i know will happen is is you have tools to give parents uh hope and and, mm -hmm. and i want to dive into those in just a second but i want to say one thing and that is in those days uh me as a brother my mom as a mother and a caretaker um and i've got other siblings that have had you know deviant behavior and drug-related problems um, luckily, for some reason, I personally escaped that, but I didn't escape the consequence of it. But here's the thing, Russ, that I noticed, and that was we were all, we all had the best interest in mind. Like we literally loved, I loved my siblings. My mom loved them beyond measure. We mm -hmm. wanted to do what was best for them. And, and looking back now, you know, 20, 30 years later, I think that we did more damage than good. <laughs> <laughs> right because we didn't know we literally i think that our perspectives and our attitudes were just we didn't know how to deal with the situation we didn't have the tools we didn't have the insights and so all of our efforts well-meaning as they were literally made the problem worse okay. and i don't know have you have you seen that other, i'm i'm talking about my family but i wonder if you've seen that in other families because you've seen more than i have he's nodding here I yeah think. <laughs> I think. Uh, Without a doubt. In fact, we were one of those parents for certain. And um, so one of the major driving premises and driving goals of the Lifeline program that I offer to parents is to help parents become an asset, oh. not a liability yeah. to their teen's recovery process. Because as you were just saying, and I just say a hearty amen to it, Many parents have a lot of great intentions. They love their kids. They want to help their kids, but the way they help actually doesn't help. <laughs> There's a book <laughs> entitled "When Helping Hurts." I have it myself back here. That's exactly what it is. The helping is actually hurting. It's actually pushing further into the future the recovery and, and the the process of sobriety and recovery. It's it's um, a hindrance, not a help, and so. When we work with parents, that's the first, the first premise of this whole course is we're going to help you become an asset, not a liability to your child's recovery. Yeah. And so yes, you're absolutely right. So I think that I think that one of the biggest challenges there is is that there is, um, well, th there's there's these multi generational belief systems that you know were, were structured, and and there's like the the pendulum on each side of you know one side it's like. Well, you know, we just need to be more authoritative. We need to be dictatorial. We need to clamp down strict rules. We need to just drop the hammer on this kid because if we don't, they're going to go crazy. And of course, that, in my view, Chris, you might have a different idea, but in my view, that like that hits the eject button because the kid goes berserk under the under the pressure, right? And then there's the other side of the pendulum, which I've seen in a lot of uh, people, and that's the unconditional love say la vie just do. whatever you're gonna do we love you no matter what we'll just support yeah. you no matter what and just you know and, and and we'll just enable and facilitate you till you're dead and 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 we'll love you the whole time and yep. and, and we'll go and, and and you know it's like i've got two siblings that have passed away um one definitely with drug related uh stuff mm -hmm. and and we, I think we loved him right into the ground. I, I mean, I don't mean that crass. I, I just, yep. you know, it's been 23 years since he passed away, but so, so we have these, we have these, this spectrum 
And, and, and I think that there's multi-generational from, you know, baby boomers, let's be super strict and beat our kids to hippie generation. <laughs> let's like not do anything. And right. it all swirled up in this weird convolutions of stuff. And we're the parents now. It's like, well, what do we do? So I wonder what you see in terms of mindset and perspective and belief, like worldview and, and how do we counter that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, let me, let's, let's, let's start right at the foundation when, with, with the lifeline course, it's three stages and I view it literally like building a house Yeah. and any house that is going to be solid has to have a solid foundation. Right. And so what is the foundation? You know, I'm speaking from the perspective of a parent dealing with a delinquent or, or defiant or drug abusing uh, child, but this really applies to every parent. Yeah. And so the first principle, the first paradigm mindset that, that we instill in parents is this. You must anchor your hope for your parenting in God alone. Mm. Now, I love the fact that I can speak as a person of faith on this podcast because oh, really, yes. this is just yeah. so paramount to our journey because here's what Here's what I was doing and what I've seen so many parents do. First of all, we hook our wagon to outcomes or sources. Now, let me, let me explain that. Our hope really is, is wishful thinking, but it's linked to how, how are our children doing? How are they progressing? What is their behavior? If they're battling drugs or alcohol, are they becoming sober? And we link our hope to their their behavior. Yeah. And if it's good, we're up here. If it's bad, we're down here. And so we get on this emotional roller coaster of our hope rises and falls based on things we can't, we have no control over. Mm -hmm. Or can I, can I pause you sitting yeah, right there? Please, I just want yeah. to say, I just had this aha moment. It's like one thing I've learned about uh, deviant, you know, people and drug addicts is they are awesome at manipulation and they get oh. these patterns and they, I, I, I'm probably jumping ahead here, but like, holy mackerel, like I saw, I saw, you know, the drug addicts just twist and manipulate this up and down to their own game. Anyway, so sorry. That was just like, I just had this light bulb go off. It's like, oh yeah. Yep. Okay. Go ahead. Agreed. <laughs> just to give you a little sense of what, what we call in every relationship and this is really kind of going out in the weeds for a second but we'll, we'll bring it up <laughs> that person and usually there's one parent or another sometimes it's both but typically there's one parent who is more easily manipulated than the other and of yeah. course that's that's where the the deviant defiant whatever kind of child they go right for that person. We call it, we call that person the weak gazelle, <laughs> the weak gazelle. They're the one in the pack, you know, that the lion has watched and said, I can, I can track this one down. I can hunt this one down. They're the weak, they're the weak link. Yeah, and they yeah. always go for the weak gazelle. And so we're always telling parents, don't be the weak gazelle. Don't be that person. <laughs> and it's funny because when, when you kind of assign that, that title, there's this thing inside them says, I don't want to be the weak gazelle. And it really, it really uh, generates some fire in their bones to say, yeah. no, not me. I don't want to be that one. So <laughs> that's exactly right. So you know, you don't want to get off into the weeds, but I love it. Let's not be the weak gazelle. Okay. Yeah. Keep going. So, because, yeah. Outcomes. Outcomes. And so for instance, 
with the, a lot of the a lot of the parents we're working with, they've already sent their child to a program, and they get a weekly phone call. And so we we meet with a lot of the parents on Tuesdays, and one week, that phone call will have gone so well. You know, the the, the child is telling them that we got progress, and they're we're we're working the program and all that. And the parent will come on to the to the coaching call, and they're just ecstatic. You know, our our child is doing so. Well. Next week. You you just look at their face. You know, you, you know the phone call was a total dud, and uh, their child told him he hated him. He shouldn't be at the program. They've made a mistake. They need to bring him home. Whatever the case might be, and they're just in the dumpster. And and so we tell them, guys, listen. It's got to be water off a duck's back. You yeah. can't you cannot hook your wagon and your hope to outcomes because it'll change like the wind. It'll change like the weather here in Seattle. I mean. It can be five different weathers in one day, you know, and then the other is linking your hope to programs, people, mm. uh, etc. And so, for instance, uh, maybe it's a coaching program. Maybe it's a teen challenge program. Maybe it's whatever. And we link our hope to that. I know when I was looking, we were at the end of our rope with our son and, and I was looking all over the nation. I spent about a year researching programs. I had one thing in mind. When I went onto that website, it was how good are they at fixing kids? <laughs> yep. That's it. I wanted yeah. that. Ninety-five percent success rate. What's your success rate? That was my one question. So my my hope was firmly hitched to the program, the power. Do you have the power to fix kids? And the rea the reality is, if people are involved, it's it's it will again it'll go up and down and yeah. so the first thing we tell parents is listen the only rock that is unmovable is jesus that is it and i know it's a process of figuring out what that looks like to hit your hope to have jesus himself god himself as the anchor of your hope yeah. but i will tell you in this journey well here's here's another here's another major mindset shift and that is this so many parents in, engage in their parenting journey but then even more specifically in their journey with a prodigal child and their goal everything is about fixing the child yes yeah and what we realize and this is really the first faulty paradigm that we have to fix and and the premise here is that all of behavior flows out of the way we think so when we start working with parents we always address thinking first. So the stage one of Lifeline is really addressing faulty mindsets and expectations that will absolutely derail a parent and keep them on this emotional roller coaster. And as long as we're on this emotional roller coaster of hitching our hope to things that are that are movable, we will never be an asset to our child. Yeah. They need us to be solid. They need us to be to be led by principle, not by emotion. Yeah. They do not, here, here's the deal. We want to develop a trusting relationship with our child. They intuitively know when we're led by emotion, we are not trustworthy. That's right. And they, and they, we are undermining, you know, our desire is so deep to, to be able to trust them, to have them be able to trust us. But motion led parenting always undermines trust. Mm. That child knows. My parent is a is, is a is a leaf blowing in the wind, up and down wherever my behavior goes, and really their well being is based on my behavior. Wow! When I'm doing good, they're doing good. When I'm doing bad, 
they're doing bad and a child can't trust a parent like that yeah and so that parent becomes a liability so the first paradigm after after well let me give you two kind of pre-paradigms one is our hope must be hitched only to the rock jesus can't be outcomes or programs or processes that has to be the yeah. person of Jesus. We, in, in the middle of all of it, we trust him, we know he's at work and we can trust him. Number two is that this isn't about fixing our son or our child. And even as parents who are dealing with normal kids, our parenting ultimately isn't about trying to create and craft this child that we think they should be. I mean, right. our job is, is not about fixing or or creating we have one creator yep and he is a he's a lot better at it than we are yes. <laughs> and so this journey then is about transformation it's about our transformation first yeah so the the paradigm that we address right out of the shoots is the fixing paradigm which just says i'll uh, if I just fix my 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 delinquent teen as fast as possible then we can all move on with life Yes. And, and or he or she won't ruin their life. And so everything is focused on fixing their the, the, the teen or the, the child. And the thing we have to tell parents, and I just I just say it and then let them sit with it. I just tell them, you cannot fix your teen. Yeah. You can't do it. You 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 end up just being a control freak trying to fix them. So here's the new paradigm that we replace this fixing paradigm with. It's simply this. I will allow God to work on me. I will trust him with my teen. I will quit trying to fix my teen. And I will just allow God to transform me. You guys, this is so profound. I, I wanted I want to share this with you. I had a conversation with my oldest son this past Sunday. It was unbelievable what he told me he said this because uh, I was saying to him Sam in the past I have tried so hard to control your lives I've met well but I haven't it it hasn't worked well it wasn't the right parenting uh, method and he, I told him I'm now making a goal to step back to trust you and to not get involved in your life and just to allow you to walk your own journey and I thought that sounded so good. And Sam said to me, Dad, you have made so many changes in your life. He said, there's never been a time when we've needed you in our lives more than now. He said, do not withdraw. You need to step in more than ever before. Wow. 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 I literally could not believe my ears. Yeah. But, but it was not. It was because at some point I stopped trying to fix my kids and I allowed God to, to transform sure. me. And the process continues, but now I've become the parent that I've always wanted to be, where my kids are saying, Dad, we don't want you to step back. We want you to step in. Yeah. And they're inviting me to come into their life. And it's just, I just can't. It's almost unbelievable to hear it, you guys. So awesome. I just want to stand up and cheer. It's uh, so amazing. I know. And, you know, the thing about this is, I want to point out two things that you said. Number one, God is the creator and he's just way better at it than we are and yep. and it is so true he knows all the elements and he understands with his infinite wisdom how everything fits together and where it needs to go and i think also this this idea that we are the parent don't have to fix this child it's like 
that that sort of has this premises of like ownership like we own this child and they're our yeah. responsibility and we have to fix them and if we don't then it looks bad on our stewardship and it's like well hold on wait a minute actually this is god's child <laughs> and absolutely right you know and 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 we get to run this amazing race called life with them and be a guide and a loving mentor with them but we are not fixing them we're not correct you know it's like and and i think that um so many parents wrap up all their identity in their child's behavior right so one of the hopes that they're pinned on is will their child be good <laughs> will they be a great citizen in the world will they be whatever right whatever they're whatever they're thought of is what that kids should be and whether it's a doctor lawyer ditch digger like they have their hopes been yeah and and just to reemphasize one of the things you said russ that i loved and that is there's really only one unchangeable imperfect being and and i promise you it's not me <laughs> it's not 100 <100%. laughs> and, and, and even yeah. my wife i say margie is practically perfect in every way which is true but there is the practical part right <laughs> and so and so if we have just to re-emphasize what you're saying if we have our hopes pinned on a on a human being or a program created by a human being it's going to be fallible it's going to make mistakes it's going to be have a weak link somewhere it will let yep. us down but god never he cannot it will not happen that he will let us down and so oh, that's so good to hear that isn't that that's just a powerful statement it is it is and it's so it's like we just have to have that fixed in our mind because anything yep. else we're just you know we're, we're building the house on the sand as christ warned us against doing right yeah and that's exactly right let's not do that <laughs> agreed <laughs> agreed and it's so interesting because you you segued perfectly into the second paradigm and that is i call it the responsibility paradigm okay i'm responsible for fixing my son now the first what's the difference between the what the fixing paradigm and the responsibility uh paradigm Paradigm number one assumes that we can fix them, right? <laughs> yes, and that's we got to dispel that you can't you can't yeah But then there's this I'm responsible. We feel this heavy responsibility for mm -hmm. our kids and The second paradigm shift that, that we address in the in the paradigm that is faulty is that I'm responsible for to fix to save etc. I'm responsible for them and that just puts this massive literally crushing load on us that yeah. we were never meant to carry now right without getting into too much detail one thing that we do teach are the four phases of parenting so just these are not this is not exactly scientific but you have they're all c's i'll walk you through them real quick zero to roughly three you're the caretaker you are pretty much taking care of everything yeah. in those years right. yeah then yeah. you transition into what would someone call the cop <laughs> and there's 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 a lot of teaching boundaries and there's a lot of verbal teaching mm -hmm. and there's a lot of no's oh yeah as you teach the kids you know this is okay this isn't okay here's where you end here's where others start and you're teaching uh what is right what is wrong you're a lot of moral teaching mm -hmm. but then you then you transition and here's where i blew it i didn't transition you stayed the cop <laughs> i stayed the cop when I should have transitioned to about 13, when they're becoming young adults, and our goal as parents isn't to keep them around us for our life. It's to it's their arrows to be shot out into the world, you know, to be to be effective in the world. And so, um, 
the third C then, or the third phase is coach. Mm -hmm. About 13 to 18, that's still those junior high and high school years. Now, what does that mean? A coach is still very, very involved in their kid, in, in the life of the athlete. You know, if you look at it as a, a team, they're very involved, but they're on the sideline while the child is, or the, the player is out on the field, if you will. Yeah. And yeah. what does the coach do? The coach doesn't run out if he sees the, the, the team lining up wrong. He's, he's going to let the flag fly. And then he's going to, he's going to help them. How do we overcome the failure? He allows the child to fail. And as we, as in that, phase of right right between junior high and high school and that that age as parents it's less words more modeling with our lives and allowing consequences to do the teaching mm -hmm. and then we're there as a coach to say okay why didn't that go well or why did that go well because right. consequences go both ways they can make good decisions great consequences not so good decisions bad uh, bad consequences. Hey there, it's Margie. We hope you're enjoying this podcast. Yeah, I hope you know that you can go to thehappyfamilyclub.com and see many other interviews and get a whole bunch of other resources, materials, free things, paid things, all kinds of stuff. There's an entire membership there where you get exclusive access to all of our best tools and resources. Our mission is to bring you the world's best resources and insights from the world's best experts so that you can have a happier family and have more joy. So go check it out, thehappyfamilyclub.com. Now, let's get back to the interview. Here's one thing I've come to realize. You always hear the story of the person who leaves high school and they were relatively a good citizen in high school and they go into college and they just go bananas. Yeah. Yep. I would be willing to bet you that that's probably in a home where there was high control cop, cop. During, during the 13 to 18. Yeah. I really believe that part of development with a child is that they have to be able to fail in a safe environment. Yes, especially in their junior, junior high and high school uh, years where the parent says, listen, failure doesn't threaten us. We're going to use that failure as a teaching opportunity. We're going to let consequences teach and then we're going to come in and help you see how that works. Exactly. And they get to sow some wild oats. And a yeah. parent, you know, we're so we're so afraid of our child making mistakes and not getting the scholarship and all the stuff. And we try to control it all. And our child needs us to step back beyond the sideline. We're right there. I mean, we're not far from them, but we're on the sideline, letting them play the game of life, letting the flag be thrown, letting them fumble, letting them throw the interception, whatever, you know, using this sports analogy. But then we come back and we say, okay, what could we have done differently? What could we have done better? Here's the consequence. And they get to fail in a safe environment. It's very interesting, you guys. The Jewish culture the, the, the Jewish uh, nation, the nation of Israel and the Jewish people have had more Nobel Prizes per capita than any other people group in, in history by a long shot. Yeah. It's very interesting when you study their culture. They have a very profound environment of mentorship where the mm -hmm. younger generation is being mentored by the older generation and allowed to fail in a safe environment and they don't boot them out. 
Right. They, mm -hmm. they use it as a teaching opportunity. So they get to learn from their failure and they fail forward. And as a result, become brilliant business people. That's awesome. And I think that same environment has to be applied to the home with our kids as junior high and high school kids. Yeah. Uh, so many parents don't understand this. I didn't. I tried to cop them all the way through and yeah. I didn't work with the natural progression of parenting. And I real I caused so much. I was, my heart was in a good place. I was trying to do the best I knew how, but I, I really, I didn't love them well. I didn't lead them well. And, um, so I'm picking up the pieces now. We're putting it back together, but yeah. what what's amazing to me is is I uh, it, <laughs> the analogy in my mind is Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and you remember <laughs> they ate the fruit and they suddenly learned good and evil, and God said, "Okay, you're out. <laughs> I'll I'll keep teaching you, but you're out. You got to go learn on your own to discern and to figure out what's right and wrong and experience and go till the ground and sweat of your brow and like yep. you know it's it's time for you to go. And I think that there's a really powerful example that God gives us there. What you're talking about is that we can't comp them forever. They can't stay in the safety bubble of the Garden of Eden or our home forever. It's like mm -hmm. hey, step. I love the coaching analogy. It's mm -hmm. like step to the mm -hmm. sideline, let them play the game. Mm -hmm. Yep, and then be there to help them. You know, because yeah. you're and not so walking up. Parents, yeah, love it. And so many parents, you guys, the helicopter parenting. And, oh, and yeah. like you said, that you've got the two extremes. You got the one parent. They're not even on the sidelines. They're right. on, they're, they're they're not even the, in the stadium. They, they've right. left the stadium and their kids <laughs> all by themselves. That is one extreme. Then the other extreme is where the coach, he's running out onto the field and he's correcting <laughs> things in the middle of the game, micromanaging everything. And, and the ref is looking at him saying, what are you doing? You, you know, you're getting the flag because you're out here. You, you got exactly. to right. <laughs> yeah. And so just having that, that mindset and learning, learning as a parent, again, not to be threatened by imperfect kids. They're learning. And, um, are you telling me that our kids are going to make mistakes? I, come on, Russ. <laughs> well, maybe not your kids, but mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, <Yeah>. actually. <laughs> yeah. But isn't that so funny that we, that it's like, oh no, what if my kid makes a mistake? It's like, well, duh, they're human. They're going, they're going to. to. Let's create a safe environment for it. I love that paradigm. And yeah. to see it, and to see it, not as a problem, but an opportunity. Exactly. Yeah. So that, that's where parents, this is, this is a major paradigm shift that they have to make too, is, is we can see failure as fatal. Failure isn't fatal. No. You just, what, some of the best businessmen, they say, uh, I think it was Warren, Warren, uh, Warren Buffett or, or one of these great businessmen. He said, fail often, fail fast, fail forward. Yeah. Mm. Fail okay. often, fail fast, fail forward. And, and they, they have no fear of failure because they see it as a learning opportunity. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think as parents, uh, if we can see these things, even with, you know, most recently a setback with our own son's recovery to be able to apply that and say, listen, this is a learning opportunity Totally. for us and for him. This is not a problem. This is an opportunity. What do we still have to learn? How do we, how can we still grow? We're clear that our faith isn't fully developed yet. Uh, that muscle still can be stronger and a lot stronger. And um, and we don't see it as a problem, but it's an opportunity. And uh, so. 
So yes. again, I, I'm just having so many insights here about, you know, God as a parent and, and not to make too many religious analogies or spiritual analogies, but I think you can make too many. But anyway, <laughs> you know, the interesting thing to me is, is like God knew for a fact, if he stuck us down here on earth, we we're going to make mistakes. That was the whole point of sending Jesus Christ, right? It's like, it, it, like it's going to happen. I know yep. it's going to happen. Let's create an environment where they can recover from that and grow from that instead of being eternally damned and cast off into outer darkness, weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth. Like, let's create an environment for this. And I think that we can do that. What you're talking about Absolutely. is doing the same thing in our own homes, Russ, yes. with our children, right? Yes. And, yes. and we, we won't do marriage counseling here, but with the with spouses too. I mean, like the, the whole environment, right? It's like, okay. Yep. By the way, what's the, what's what's the fourth four? scene? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> good, good question. Number four, then is counselor. Oh, okay. yeah. Mm -hmm. And so let give it give a sense of what that looks like. Coach is right on the right on the uh, sideline. Mm -hmm. A counselor is not on the sideline. A counselor is even further withdrawn in a sense. Yeah. And and a counselor, you don't go out in the streets trying to find your clients. I mean, there's some marketing, obviously, with, with yeah. every business. But a counselor, you you come to a counselor. You you approach a counselor in your time of need. Yeah. And and so, for instance, now I'm really really embracing that role of counselor with my kids, where, um, and I'm trying to really respect their their space as adults. Yeah. And interestingly enough what my son told me this past Sunday that dad, we need you in our lives more than ever. That is him approaching the counselor and saying, we give you permission to give us counsel. Right. Oh, wow. So many parents, you know, the, the meddling mother-in-law, the meddling father, you know, all the, that they just, they just want to control their kids uh, parenting. They want to control everything instead of saying, listen, we're available and we would be happy to share thoughts with you as you, as you would like them, <laughs> but we're not going to thrust ourselves into your life and dump the dump truck of all of our years of wisdom <laughs> onto your lap, whether you like it or not. We're not going to do that. We're going to respect you as adults. We're going to respect your your space. We're going to respect your family, your marriage, etc. But we're available as counselors should you need us. And that's why parents need to be safe. We've got to be safe individuals with our kids. Yeah. And, and, and continue to work on ourselves so that we can be those safe people. Our kids right now need us more than ever before. Oh, man. 25, 23, and 22. And we're parenting more now than I think we've ever parented. <laughs> That's amazing. I love it. Yeah. So, so this, the, I mean, we started down the, the four C's here looking at um, this paradigm of being responsible for the child. And I think really what you're saying is, is that instead of having that crushing weight of being responsible, we just see that, no, there's different phases from the caretaker to the cop, to the coach, to the um, counselor. And, uh, and and immediately that, I mean, I'm feeling it now, like that immediately frees up this pressure, right? Yes. The I responsible for transitions to responsible to. Yeah. You guys, that was one of the most freeing little statements responsible for transitioning to responsible to and what that means is my whole focus isn't my child my focus is here i'm responsible to them to be calm mm -hmm. be 
to have my anger under control. <laughs> I'm yeah. responsible to them to be growing as a dad, to be building my relationship with God so that I have godly wisdom to impart to them. I'm responsible to them for a lot of things. I don't have time to continue to be responsible for them as they grow into their adulthood. I, I need to keep I need to transition transition to this this understanding they're going to need me like never before. So I better be ready. I've got to allow God to transform and change me. I'm responsible to them to be a growing man, to be a wiser man than I was a year ago, a month ago, to just continue to grow because um, they're going to be looking to me um, in their, their later teen years. And then as they pursue marriage, as they are parents, they need me to be wise and to be solid and to be principled and biblically driven versus emotionally driven. So, um, yeah, we're responsible to them, not for them. And um, that really helped me so much. Oh, my goodness. I just realized I need to get in my my office and just wrestle it out with God and let him change me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And and the other, you know, you keep saying that, which is so interesting. Like, you know, we, we have to let God transform us. It's this transformation of, of us and our journey. Mm-hmm. And what I think is so powerful about that is, is that um, at the end of the day, we really cannot change our children. You know, just, just the same, like, I can't change Margie. And I think of the analogy of like, we love gardening, vegetable gardening mm-hmm. and stuff. And I can create an environment for that seed to grow. That's right. But do I really have any idea how that seed grows or how to make it grow or make it like the, the actual reality is no, I can only control yeah. me. The seed's going to do, I can't control all the bugs. I can't control the weather. I can't, there's like a billion and one things, but I can control me. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I hear you saying is like, look, take yourself to God and get square there. Tra- let that transformation happen. And then you and he can partner with in the parenting process, right? This responsible to concept. It's awesome. It's exactly the truth. Here, here's what here's what a lot of people think. They think, for instance, in a marriage, they think, I'll ask couples this. I'll ask them, how many people have to change for your marriage to change? And I mean, I would say 80% will say both of us have to change. Yeah. <laughs> I tell them, well, that sounds maybe most obvious on the surface of it, but that's not the case. No. If even one of you changes by 5%, that marriage gets better by 5% if That's it's right. a positive change. So so with <laughs> our kids, so for instance, with, with our son, while he's at his program, literally getting worse. Yeah. <laughs> so he came out of his program 11 months later and he was he plunged into drug abuse. That, yeah. that but while he was doing that, my wife and I were working on ourselves for 11 months without him in the home at that point. And we did dramatic and radical changes uh, and and became unit unified as a as a couple. I mean, we things we had struggled with for years. So when when our son got out of his program and came home, he came home to a completely different home. It was like when he went to his program, our yard was a junkyard. His yard was also a junkyard. So both of our yards were a junkyard. But when he came home, our yard was clean. The, yeah. the broken glass and all the rusted out auto parts and all that, they were all gone. They were clean. Yeah. We, he came home to a home where there was peace. There was unity. There were, there were two people who were learning how to control their emotions, how to trust God, 
um, how not to be reactive to behaviors that weren't right, to a plan where there was clear boundaries, clear consequences. I mean, yeah. he came home to a radically different environment. Yeah. And it changed everything. He chose a year, a month and a half after he got home, he knew mom and dad are a wall. They're, yeah. they're not going to separate them. They're a wall. This plan is very clear. And he, he just said very simply, there was no emotion. A month and a half later, he said, I, I'm going to be leaving because I don't want to live under these rules. Yeah. And I know that you guys are going to enforce them. And, <laughs> and there was no drama. Yeah. No yelling. There was no, that would have all been the case in the past. Oh, yeah. It was, we hugged him, we prayed over him, we blessed him, and out he went down into yeah. the far country to, to basically start his journey of self destruction. Yeah. Well, and, and in the process, look, number one, you couldn't have stopped that self destruction process anyway. Number two, you have to stay and become that counselor and be anchored to Christ. Okay. And I think that's what a lot of parents need to understand in here is that in the story of the prodigal son, which I know you love, yep. the dad did not go running out, chasing, chasing and tracking him down and begging him to come home at every step and counseling about how to spend his money and to not do this drug or not do that. And likewise, when he ended up in the pig slot, the dad wasn't out there scooping him up. The dad sat on the porch waiting and watching. He was ready when he came back. That is so profound. And, and and the thing about it is, is that in my in my belief is that whether in this life or the next, they'll come back because they 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 want to they want to connect with God. They want to connect with parents and family. They might not fully repent and change, but they want to come back. And I've seen this in my own family with some of the things I talked about. It's like there's these there's these moments in time where it's like, you know, I, I had an experience a couple of weeks ago where. Um, my uh, one of my siblings and I connected with each other, and it was unbelievable experience. Yeah, we, don't wow. have time to, we don't have time to talk about it, but there was a brief outreach of him to me because we've stayed solid. And he was like, "Man, maybe yeah. one day I'll get back there." And I was like, "Okay, look, this is a touch point. I'm grateful for it." And then you know, he he returned to his life. I returned to mine, but we're still here, and he knows it. Yep. And That's I think exactly there's right. amazing power there, right? There's That's exactly right. Power. So we can't and we won't if we're doing if we're parenting biblically, healthfully, we're exercising the tough, healthy love that God exercised in the story of the, the prodigal son. Yeah. There were six distinct steps down into the pig pen in that story. Six yeah. distinct steps. Here's what we see with parents. And I walked them through. This is lesson number three of Lifeline. I walked them through all six and I, I, I share the story and then we have. A very clear action point. Don't go after your child. <laughs> Number two, stay, stay, stay right on the on the porch, as you said. Yeah. Stay on the property. Stay on the property. Stay on the property. Stay on the property. Yeah. And and uh, the last one, I believe it says, no one was giving him anything. Yeah, yeah. And he was. I'm convinced in that story that he. At some point when he and that hog were nose to nose fighting over that, he saw himself in that pig and said, exactly. that's my reflection. That is who I am. And yeah. it says he came to his senses and he got up out of there. And um, then there are eight very clear indications of what heart change looks like when a prodigal comes home. And oh, it's wow. a beautiful thing. And um, 
Oh, it's a beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. Okay, okay. All right. I, I'm going to pause you because I think that's like a that's like a whole nother interview or or we put a you know seminar on and you come and teach or yes. something. But like oh. like I, that that sounds like a whole that sounds like a whole uh, you know program you know in that that's like a beautiful net. And I I think you mentioned to me that there was three or four or five paradigm shifts, and I think yeah. we've talked about two of them. And um, can you share? Up. Can you share one or two more with us? Because I'll do it quickly. Yes, I'll yeah. do it quickly. Number three is the perfect solution. <laughs> Go ahead. Number three is the perfect solution or the quick fix paradigm. In other words, if we deal perfectly with this situation, it will resolve right away. There is some sort of a magic formula for this situation to be quickly fixed. And you know, so many parents. Um, they fall into that. And, and what I tell them is this guys, what has taken years to get tangled up, won't get untangled overnight. Yeah, You've yeah. got to let go of this quick fix mindset. So the new paradigm is simply this. I'm in this for the long haul, no matter how long it will take, Lord, I trust you. <laughs> That's oh, really wow. it. It's mm -hmm. God. It's not about where's the, where's the finish line. That's mm -hmm. not our business. That's God's business. That's our right. business is to say, I'm in it. I'm hitched to the Lord Jesus and I'm with him until for the long haul and right. uh, no quick fixes. So that's the third paradigm. And a lot of parents that that rocks their world, but it, they oh, yeah. have to get over this quick fix. It's going to be just over very quickly or else it, they just spin out in, in depression, disillusionment, despair. They, they go into despair. I just want to comment on something on that. I think that, um, in my view, we live in a society that I think has gone to great lengths to create fixed mind, um, you know, perspectives and beliefs. In other words, you, you know, we'll take education as an example. You go to school, you get a degree, and you're done. Right. Now, you go get a career, and then you work that career, and you're and you're done. It's like there's end. There's this magical endpoint to this journey of life that we fixated on as a society yep and and i think that it's insanely detrimental like incredibly detrimental because versus a growth mindset of we're not seeking end destinations except for one and that is to return back to god but in that yep. everything else is a journey That's right. and we're growing and growing and growing and growing and growing and um you know this idea about a quick solution a formula a mindset a silver bullet i think that um i think a lot of people feel like because number one it's so it's such a fun idea it's like oh like one little program in my child's fix this is great right yep. totally fake but anyway it's like a, it's a fun appealing idea yeah but i think the other thing is is that we a lot of parents they themselves are in a fixed growth, you know, a fixed growth mindset as opposed to an elastic or variable growth mindset. Yep. And and I think what you're doing here, Russ, is you're pulling them out of that. And anytime we pull out of our comfort zone, it kind of hurts. But I believe it. That's right. <laughs> but but the, the the you know the result of that is a miraculous change of heart. Life. Right. God, God said that he gives peace that surpasses understanding. And I think this is one of the ways that he does it is helps us understand like 
oh, this event is not the end. This behavior is not the person. This, like we continue to grow and become and God's not done with us. And he's certainly done with our kids yet. That's right. And I think having that perspective that, oh, you know what? This might be a big mistake right now, but it's not an end destination. We just get to keep growing, you know? And and I think like even, you know, even my, my siblings, I, I've got two siblings that have passed away. My mom's passed away. Uh, I've got another sibling that's staring down the, the barrel of prostate cancer and may only be with us for another couple of years, right? And you know what? I just think God says he's eternal. I just don't know that he's done with them even after death. So I just, <laughs> I think that we get, we get to have this, this ongoing growth mindset. And that's, yeah. I, I just think it's amazing what you're talking about here. So yeah, be in this for a life, right? It's like, I'm in this for the long haul beautiful one thing is you look at all these paradigms that are faulty almost at the base of all of them is control yeah we want to control we, we want to control our kids we want to control their behaviors and then and then when we realize we can't control our kids we want to control the timeline for when they get fixed <laughs> and 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 then paradigm number four is the guarantee paradigm paradigm well we sent them to public school or sorry private school christian school took them to church we were great parents, blah, blah, blah. That should be, that's a formula, the formula slash guarantee paradigm. We did all the right things. Therefore, boom, out the back end comes this perfect child. Right, right. And um, well, biblically, you can just destroy that in a heartbeat. I mean, God is the father, right? Adam and Eve, the first children were, were delinquent, defiant, drug abusing in the sense that they they went for the bad tree right <laughs> they were the above and they had the perfect father so this idea that oh we did all this right how can it possibly be well go to genesis chapter three and you'll answer your question real quick right. yeah and so the new paradigm is listen we will do all that we know with god's help to raise our kids right but we understand there's no guarantees yeah they're gonna they're gonna turn out right whatever that looks like right i mean we have this picture of what that even looks like and so we get rid of the formulas again trying to control that that part of life and then the fifth paradigm is it's my fault paradigm and this is this one says i'm the one responsible for my prodigal teen being messed up it's all my fault wow and so the first one is i've done everything right they should <laughs> turn out right this one is i've done everything wrong it's all my fault and here are three major uh, offshoots or bad fruits of that. Number one is depression. Yeah. When you start taking blame, you you live in depression. There, there, that creates a sense of finality and hopelessness. This is all there is. It's nothing we can do about it and despair. Number two is distraction. Mm. It weighs us down and clouds our view because people who are busy focusing on who's to blame and all of that, they're not getting busy finding a solution to take That's things right. forward. They're just distracted by their own shame and guilt. And then the third is debilitation. When we're all loaded with guilt and shame about it, it's our fault, we allow the teen to see themselves as a victim of us. Yeah. We victimize the teen. Yeah. And then with us as parents, and you see this in King David's life after he yeah. failed so terribly, you look at his parenting with his kids, it was horrendous. Yes. I'm convinced that King David never, ever truly understood that I blew it and I'm gonna fail forward. He lived in that that failure and allowed his children, he didn't step in as a strong leader into their lives and say, this is not right. He, he was very permissive. 
And so when we live under this, it's my fault paradigm, we're debilitated as parents and we become weak and we let our kids off the hook and we don't because well, who am I to say anything? I've blown it so bad. And, and we, it just destroys us uh, as it, it well it destroys might be a two. It really debilitates us as parents. Yeah. So. Well, and we also, we're, we're teaching our child that they are not responsible for it. Like, oh, oh I would have turned out right, but dad, right. Told me, dad told me so many times that I'm actually his problem. So, I mean, clearly I don't have to have any responsibility for my own life. Right. And, and it changes everything up. You know, it's interesting. The, um, uh, you know, this I this twofold idea that I did everything right and I did everything wrong, and there's formula based and there's quick fixes. I keep thinking of the phrase where God says he's the law, he's the Lord of the harvest, right? Mm -hmm. And 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 really the outcomes are not our okay. job. That's right. <laughs> he he tells us to thrust our sickle in, he tells us to go to work, he tells us to do what we can do, but he's really the Lord of the harvest. And he's gonna, he's going to produce what he needs to produce based on. The other thing that I think of is, is like, I have no, I actually have no idea who God has ordained my kids to be, and I have no idea what their journey needs to be for them to become that. I, yeah. I really don't. Yeah. I'm not efficient. And he gets it. And I think that there's sometimes like, I, I know we, one of our children um, was the most curious little bug, and. You know, we, we were at a house one day and the old proverbial hand on the, on the stove, but this is huge. It was actually up in Seattle. It was in Paulsbo. We were at this friend's yeah. house <laughs> and they had a wood burning stove sitting there. And he was, how old was Joshua? Like it's less than two. He's yeah. He's like two years old. He was into everything curious. And we kept saying, look, that's hot. Don't touch it. And we turned our back and he went, <laughs> so cleared <laughs> that whole hand right on. And uh, instead of freaking out and getting mad and we're like, Okay, we'll help you bandage it up. But you know, I was like, oh. So I think that we need to allow those outcomes and this perspective and, and realize God's the God of the harvest and he's going to create the outcomes that he needs for them in their journey because he loves them and he's working them to come back home and we just get to play a part, right? So anyway. That's, uh, that's, I love that. The Lord of the harvest, he is. I tell parents all the time, guys, your responsibility is vertical yeah mm -hmm. you need to have a super highway that goes straight to heaven yep. <laughs> and then his responsibility is horizontal yes stay out of his business stay out of his business obedience <laughs> not outcome Out yes. horizontal outcomes that's god's business don't meddle yeah. in his business your business is just to find out what his marching orders are and obey yeah. and when you do your job he absolutely will do his job yeah. and we can take that to the bank and so I, I want to say something as a marketer really quick, um, because because I think a lot of people listening to this, there's another thing, piece of the puzzle here that I think is really important for people to have eyes wide open. And that is, look, here, here's the reality. Now, I'm a marketer. I'm a business development guy. I get it. But the reality of it is, is a lot of these paradigms you've talked about, Russ, um, there are individuals out there exploiting us as parents for those ends, right? They're selling the quick fix. Yeah. They're telling us that it's not our it's not our fault or it is our fault. They're mm -hmm. telling us that you've done everything right, and they're soothing us with you know these these false words and whatnot. And 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 then on the flip side, you know, you talked about distraction and debilitation. And so we now live in a world where you know companies like Facebook, and I'm not trying to vilify anybody, but I'm just yeah. eyes wide open, right? Yeah. 
but we've got companies like Facebook and, and other social media platforms who literally hire addiction experts to try to enslave the minds of the people so that they can make more money, right? And so if we're feeling sad or depressed, we can go get a dopamine hit by scrolling through Facebook or right. TikTok or whatever, right? Now I'm saying this because I think that those technologies can be used for good. I, so I, I think that there's some neutral stuff there, but I also know that there is an enemy to our souls and there yep. is and, and there is a power that wants us to be depressed and distracted or feel like we're omnipotent and it wasn't our fault and all these things that are not godly and it wants to destroy our life. And we are swimming in a sea of forces that are moving our minds to do this. Yep. And what I wanna say to parents is, is that just go into this whole thing with eyes wide open. What Russ is, you know, Russ, what you've talked about here is truth and the truth will set us free. Yes. And we don't need to fall prey to all of this stuff. You know, it's like what you said, like all I did, I was running around the country looking for the guy who had put on his website that a 95% success rate, right? <laughs> well, you were vulnerable to these marketing tactics. Yeah. And, and, you know, and in the long run, in some ways, I think it probably hurt you and your family. And I, and not to say that we shouldn't buy programs because i think that we i think that in some cases we should not to say we shouldn't have help and coaches and counselors i'm just saying let's just be aware that the hope is not pinned on those it's in god and sometimes god will use those things to further us on our journey that's right? right and I, that's, that's yeah. a great balance because there are good things but I started with a couple last night who their 12 and a half year old daughter is King Kong in their family and they're scared to death of her, the only child. And I just, I told them, I just said, you guys, listen, I'm going to pour everything I've got. Yeah. I really believe we're going to see radical change with your family. But I told them because we went through this lesson about outcomes and, and, yeah. and, and, and uh, programs. And I told them, you don't pin your hope to me. You don't pin your hope to this program. Yeah. This, your hope must be pinned to the Lord Jesus. Yeah. The story in Numbers 21 where uh, the people were complaining and grumbling and God sent snakes into the camp. I don't know if you remember that story. Yeah. And and the people all of a sudden realized we blew it. <laughs> and then they went to Moses and they, and they said, pray to God and ask him to take away the snakes. <laughs> yeah. He didn't take away the snake. No, he did he, not. He, gave, he said, Moses, you're to form a bronze snake. You're to hang it on a pole. And the people who get bitten are to go and they're to look up to the bronze snake on the pole, which we know in John chapter three, that is a foreshadow of the Lord Jesus on the cross. Oh, yeah. And yeah. being our savior and our, yeah. and our redeemer. And so I told him, listen, that is your anchor. Yeah. You don't come to me and ask me to help you get rid of the snakes. You go to Jesus and you look up to him and you receive his grace and his mercy when you need it, as you need it. And that can be dozens, hundreds of times, even a day. Yeah, that's right. So many. That's right. Well, the whole scripture of a child shall rule over them, you know, in the latter days, in the last days. And that's what we're seeing so much. Yeah. With our children. And we need to shift that mm -hmm. paradigm and mm -hmm. look to God and raise our family in godly ways and biblical ways. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, Russ, dog on it. We're, <laughs> we're, we're out of time again. <laughs> can you tell our people how to oh. connect with your program? Yeah. How do they find you online? 
I think the simplest way is to go to my website, catalystcoachinghq.com. Catalystcoachinghq, as in headquarters, yeah. .com. There are opportunities there to set up uh, what I call a Stop the Chaos Zoom consultation. It's uh -huh. a free call to just talk about what's going on in your family and how we might be able to turn, the, turn it around working yeah. together. The other is to get a free, what it's called the Lifeline Quick Start Guide. It's essentially my whole program bullet pointed. All the steps, all of uh, all that I teach in the course in short bullet points, uh, not built out like the whole course, but enough so they get a clear understanding of what the course is and, and how to walk to from chaos to calm and confident with a plan. And so yeah. catalystcoachinghq.com. I think that's the best place for people to go. Awesome. I love it. Well, um, Margie and I are underscore exclamation point, bold, all caps, encouraging people to go and to check that out, especially if you're facing this situation um, with a delinquent or, you know, drug abusing child or some sort. And again, you know, I started this off talking about the challenges that I've seen in my own life with siblings and relatives and family and, and the way that that's hurt them. And uh, I've also seen the challenge that it is of being an asset in your child's life versus a liability. Yep. And and the, the crazy part about it is, guys, is that this moving from an asset to a liability is not overly complicated. It just requires a handful of paradigm shifts and understanding right. a little bit better how God works. And and I think that that is what you know. Russ has devoted his life to a being transformed by the Lord. I know that about you. It's why I love you so much and just mm -hmm. admire you so much is that there's this endless, relentless commitment to Christ and to be transformed by him. And because of that, you've now said, okay, I'm going to be God's hands in helping other people walk that same journey, not focusing on you, but on, on him. So anyway, I, that, that's my, that's my strong underscored pitch of mm -hmm. if you, need help in this category we really believe russ is like your best option he's grounded in christ he's got experience and he's got the tools and the resources you saw today i mean these paradigms shifts that he talked about are absolutely stunning they're powerful so anyway that's our that's our encouragement go check him out yeah. <laughs> you guys are awesome it's it, this is more fun than we deserve i mean it's so good. <laughs> that's great. yeah thank you thank you so much for, for allowing me to I think it's just kind of a chat. I feel like I'm right, sitting right across uh, from I you know. in Arkansas there. So I know. Well, we feel we feel the same way. We admire you tremendously. So, oh, it, so it, we'll it, give, give our love and blessings to Heather and your children. And uh, we can't wait to visit with you another time. All right. Let's do it. Look forward Thank to it. You, Take care. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye.